Uh, when I say endure, they really don't endure it. They actually love it. Uh, I wish you'd go to camp with a couple times when they uh, get up there and write the, the, we get ready to start preaching the last night. Uh, and they'll, they'll start throwing their shoes all over the place. And the whole altar platform, everything will be full of shoes from one side to the other. Uh, you get 100 kids, man, throwing shoes. That's uh, 200 shoes. And if you get in the way, I mean, some of those shoes are big shoes. Uh, they can hit you, put you in the hospital. So over the years, people have learned not to do that, get in the way. Uh, and then you got to come up here, and we got people that automatically, that's one thing Bobby always did. He would go up here and scrape all the shoes aside so that when the preacher got up here and started preaching that he wouldn't trip over the shoes as he's stumbling all over the place out there trying to walk around. But I'm telling you what, brother, you know, when you, you, you sit there and look at that, these are all young people. And people say young people can't do it anymore. They just, it's not them. Yeah, they can. You know what you got to do is you got to give them what they need. You got to feed them. Uh, you got to show them that, hey, there is another way. And then they need people that they can watch that, that, that have done it. Starting to Brother Combs a few minutes ago. We let him do Sunday school this morning. I did. And uh, it's good to have an old preacher every now and then. Uh, one of these days, we're not going to have him. Uh, I may go before he goes, but still, one of these days, uh, the old preacher's going to be gone. They're all just going to be disappearing. And these young people got to do it. They can do it. They're going to have to do it. Uh, they're going to have to step up to the plate and do it. I'm sorry uh, if you're in here today and you're, you're under 30, you're going to have to do it. If you're over 30, you're going to continue to do it. And one of these days, some of us are just going to quit doing it. And when we quit, that, then you're going to have to continue on. Or it's going to go to the wayside. And the problem is, is when he said today, he's talking about waiting. Take your Bibles, go to 1 Thessalonians 5. I didn't finish that up. I'm not going to finish it. I don't know. I might be finished today. I don't know. We're going to have a birthday celebration after service this morning, so I'll try to get done by 3. We got a cake and everything. Let them eat cake. Here we all, Baptists, we're the worst thing in the whole world. We're trying to lose weight, and we buy all the stuff that makes us gain weight. On the way to church this morning, I heard uh, somebody say, you know, they, all their dogs are eating vegan. I'm like, what? Vegan? Dogs eat vegan? Dogs are supposed to eat dog food. They're supposed to eat, eat I had German shepherds. And you know what they did? They'd go out in the backyard. I had two of them at one time in the backyard, grown. And they would grab a, a groundhog, and the groundhog just tried to get out of the yard. I'm sorry, you're not going to get out of the yard. And these dogs would rip this thing apart. And next thing you know, entrails would be all over the place, guts. And, and they would pull out the, uh, is this cool for Sunday morning? And they'd pull out the intestines and be stretched all over the backyard. That's what dogs do. Then you let them lick your face. <laughs> I, I, I was like, get away from me, man. I see where you put your tongue. No, 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 no. First Thessalonians. <laughs> Paul's talking to the last church. That's us. Brother, we, he, he put a message in here just for you, just for you. Stand, y'all to stand for the Bible reading. You're just sitting down all the time, and uh, you need to stretch your legs just a little bit. First Thessalonians chapter four, five. Just the last couple of verses. We'll start at 19. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearances of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray. God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. <laughs> you better, I mean, we need it. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you uh, by the Lord that uh, this epistle be read in all the, uh, in, uh, unto all the holy brethren. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for everybody that made it out. Those that couldn't, Lord, I pray that they'd be able to see it on, uh, on the uh, 
YouTube channels or wherever uh, it's being streamed. And Lord, I just pray that you give them a, a special blessing. Those up in Michigan, Lord, I pray for a driving. Brother Reagan's church is driving back, and then ours will be driving back today also. Uh, Lord, I pray that you get them all back safely. Uh, Lord, just again, thank you for some young people that still want to do something for you. Thank you for some older people, Lord, that still are trying to do something for you, Lord. And I just pray that you'd help us all. Give us, give us something out of your precious word, and we'll praise you, Nani, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Paul is sitting here talking. He's talking to a church back 2,000 years ago, but he's referencing the last church, which is us, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes. He's coming. Brother, Brother Combs mentioned that several times today about the Lord coming back. you got to wait. you got to wait sometimes. Waiting is one of the hardest things uh, you'll ever do in your life. I mean, you're talking about waiting. Uh, we hate to wait. I mean, man just hates waiting. I told, I've told several people in life before that you need to wait. I've had people say, I can't wait. Well, I'll tell you what, you'll either wait on what God wants you to have or you'll wait on what you get. Either way you look at it, you're going to wait. One way is you, you could, they're both going to be sad. I remember when I was waiting for Beth, I waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. I waited so long I thought God's done done. I was just not going to have a, a wife. And uh, nine years later, we get, I met her. You say, what was that? That's 32 years after that. Uh, been nice. I mean, it's been real nice. Uh, I've seen people get married, and I mean, it was miserable. Sometimes waiting's not as bad, bad, bad as you think it is. He says, verse 30, uh, 23, Paul's talking. And after he goes to a hole, he says, abstain from all appearance of evil. And he says, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. You know what the Lord wants to do is clean us up one at a time, man. He, it's an individual thing. He wants to clean us all up and get us all nice and clean because he wants his bride in Revelation to be white, pure, clean as snow. And he wants to put a, a white robes on us and have us all dressed up, make us look like we're presentable. That's what he wants. He wants us to come to heaven with, with a smile on our face, uh, with, with treasures like Brother Combs said today, treasures and rewards and stuff already sitting there for you, crowns, the whole thing. He wants to make sure you get all that. He says, Paul says, in the very God, Paul never was one to down people and push them down and get them out of the way and stomp on them and grind on them and everything. It's what he was trying to do is always lift them up. You know what I've tried to do for 42 years? You may not think that, but I've actually tried to lift people up. I want them to get lifted up. I want them to be able to stand and walk with Jesus Christ and have a relationship. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see them exceed what I've ever done. I'd love to see that. Why? Well, then I know I had a part in their life, and, and maybe I got somewhere the Lord used me to help them along just a little bit to maybe get them on their feet. You know, most people only need just a push every now and then. And sometimes if you push the person in the right place, I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys about brother, uh, uh, brother uh, Mr. Balovich, uh, the commander I work for all the time. That guy did something for me that nobody, ah, I'll take that back. That instructor in ETA school that looked at me when I go, ooh, 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 and, and he goes, Elliot, shut up. Now that's a hard thing for me to do, but I mean, I'm like, he said, do you really want to know? You know what the Lord does for a lot of us sometimes? He asks you, do you really want to know? Do you really want to know? This thing is, is invisible. You talk about something that's invisible. Electronics is about as invisible as you can get. Uh, you, Mike calls me up here to look at a gate the other day, and I'm looking at it like, I'm laying on the ground looking at it. Like, he's going to make me think, man. You know, you got to think your way through some things sometimes. It's not something that's right out in front of you. Things are happening that you can't see happening. And you got in your mind, make that thing click in there somewhere where you can start logically breaking this thing down and say, okay, where is the problem? And it just so happens that the problem was at the worst place it could possibly be. And we tore it all apart, and he had the spare part, and we put it in, and it worked. You know what God does sometimes? He makes you think. You have to think. 
And then it's not just thinking you have to put your feet to what you just thought. If you don't put your feet to it, it ain't going to happen. He says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Not pieces and parts, the whole thing. That guy with great legs, he said, do you really want to know? I said, yes. He goes, okay, come back at five. Now, I didn't have to come back at five. I could have just said, forget you, man. I'm going to go out with everybody else and do what? No, I came back at five. You know what he did? He took me down and introduced me to three instructors that fixed everything we broke all day long. And those three guys started something in me that has been going for the last 42 years. They took their time. I, I mean, they, they seen some a little moron coming in. And they said, hey, let's abuse this kid. And they did. But you know what? I took their abuse. And I kept taking it. What was that? That was not me. It was him. We won't tell you it was Mike. It was a Mike. There's plenty of Mikes. But they abused me and abused me and abused me until they got to a place where they said, hey, this kid is one of us now. And then they started teaching me even more. While they were abusing me, they were teaching me. But I stayed there and stayed there and stayed there and stayed there because they had something I wanted, although I did not know what it was at that point. I graduated ETA school still not understanding exactly what I was trying to understand. I knew that somebody, if they made this stuff, could understand it. It took me about six months at that satellite station. One day it clicked. And I'm like, that's it. And it was like the Lord saying, yep, that's pretty much it. I mean, that's, that's it. That's electronics in a nutshell. That's it. You're manipulating an electron. That's it. That's it. He goes, yes. He goes, no matter what you build, you're manipulating. So I look at all these, I look at everything. And I, well, you know what I see? Is something manipulating the flow of current that causes light bulbs to light, fans to turn, motors to work, this to work, light bulbs to work, microphones to work, all that stuff. Work. It's simple. It, the Lord says salvation is simple too. Amen. You can't see it, but you got to want it. If you can't see that this world is crazy, then you'll never get it. But the moment you start saying, wait a second, Everybody who gets, I, you hear me saying the vaccination all the time, but I'm telling you, man, it doesn't matter which side you're on. I'm listening to both sides now, and even the side that was getting the vaccination, the one, I mean, they're both saying the same thing. It's something's wrong here, man. Why aren't these things working? I mean, it's supposed to work. We've been told is, you know what it is? You've been told by somebody that this stuff's going to work, and it's not working. You know why? Because they were guessing. They were just trying to make everybody happy. He said, and I pray your whole, whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what Paul wants? He wants you to enter heaven blameless. Now, you want to know if somebody loves you? That's the Apostle Paul. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul met someone on the road to Damascus one day that loved him and told him something. And you know what Paul tried to do for the rest of his life is to tell somebody else. I like that song, you got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. I like that song, man. People say, what? Is, I don't know, but it just sounds good. I want to tell somebody. I got to tell somebody. I got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. Have you, when was the last time you actually told somebody what Jesus Well, you know, the Lord, he saved me. I'm so glad. And one day, I'll go to heaven. But boy, my team, they're, they're playing on. I'm like, What? I said, I can't believe that. I mean, you get, you, oh, Jesus. My team, my team doesn't save me. I got saved, man. I'm on the right team. I tell the Lord all the time, I said, look, I'll be the water boy. I don't care what I am as long as I can just be on the team. I'll cut the grass. I'll put the lines down. I don't care. I'll, I'll polish the goalposts. I don't care what I get to do. Just let me do something, whatever it is. You know, you got to wait for God to open the door for you. So many times we don't wait. 
We just think he's going to do that stuff for us now. Verse 24 is where I want to spend most of the time this morning is, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Father, again, thank you for your blessings. Bless this message and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, faithful is he that calleth you. You, you, you just going to have to wait. I don't know about you, but I got called. 1980, I was lost on my way to hell. Uh, going to split it wide open. That didn't really bother me too much, although it, it did kind of. Uh, I keep telling all the time when I hear about the fear of the Lord, I'm like, Lord, do I really fear you? Do I fear you? I fear, I, you know, I, 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 that fear was kind of taken away, the, but it was the fear of hell that t went away in 1980. Uh, the fear of him should always be there. You always should be scared. You should be scared. Brother Tom's going to preach tonight. I asked him a little while ago, I said, hey, brother, you ready? He goes, I've been ready all day, man. <laughs> I said, that's, a, that's encouraging, man. And somebody still wants to say something about God. And they get excited about it. I, pray, I, I pity those poor guys at jail this morning. They had to put up with that, man. I've been there, man, where you're sitting there and just, I got to say something about him because of what he's done for me. When that thing, you miss that thing inside, there's something missing. You need to say, what's wrong with me? <laughs> you know what it is? Somewhere you probably got ahead of God is what it was. God, God never calls without a reason. He's always knocking. He's knocking at your heart to get saved. You know, the uh, faithful, Dr. Roman, had, he, he wrote a sermon. Well, he said, here's a sermon. Somebody put some meat to this thing. It'd be a great sermon. He always did it through these nuggets out here. He, says, and, uh, he said, there's always a need, there's an ability, and there's an opportunity when you deal with God. 1980, I had a need, Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, by one man's sin entered into the world, and by death sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. I said, I was a sinner. I had a need. You know, the Lord knew. He looked down at me and said, ah, I see that kid's got a need. And that kid knows he's got a need. That kid knows that there's something bigger than this world, and he sees it. He just don't know what the answer is. You know, the saddest thing is to go through this whole life knowing that there's an issue and never finding the answer for that issue. You got an anger. My brother's got an anger problem. Y'all pray for him. And, and he just doesn't see it. I mean, it's a serious anger problem. You think I got one. <laughs> uh, my dad had a serious anger problem. I mean, extremely serious. And, uh, but until you see that you have a problem, there's nothing anybody on the planet can do for you. There's nothing anybody can. I thank God that he took me out on a ship in the middle of the ocean and dealt with me on some things out there that nobody else could deal with me on. And he showed me some things. The problem isn't anybody else. The problem is right there. It's always right there. It's not, it's not my wife, it's not my kids, it's not my dog, it's not my neighbors, it's not my friends. The problem, if there's a problem, is right there. It's always been right there. You know what? You say, yeah, you're right, Mike, it is you. No, 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 it's you too. You got a problem also. I had a need, I got saved. I, there's an ability. God never puts a burden on you that he doesn't give you the ability to do what you need to do. Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave you way. He never gives you a, a problem that he doesn't give you a solution for that problem. He would not ever. That's how much he loves you. So then there's an opportunity. John 5, 9 says this. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You know what happened when I got saved? I trusted Jesus Christ. Wrath went away. I don't ever have to worry about going to hell again. There is a real hell. People really go to hell. I don't have to worry about that no more. You know why? Because he saved me. He called and I listened. Now, not only is there, is he faithful to you to call in certain uh, salvation, but in service. I added this one in. There's a need. You know, after I got saved, 
The Lord just don't save you to save you. And that would be a waste. Save you and stick you on a shelf somewhere. You say, well, I messed up. No, you didn't. You just blew it a couple times. You need to get back up and just keep on going. A just man falls seven times. A righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. He gets back up. You never sit down. You know what's wrong with people when they try to shove people down and shove them down and shove them down and shove them down? Why don't you just try to lift them up every now and then and just maybe something will get done for God. There's a service in his service. There's a need. There's a need for servants. I don't know about you, but uh, any good master needs a bunch of servants. I like being a servant. Servant's easy. I would rather be a servant, honestly, than a pastor. This is just what the Lord's got me doing. You say, why are you doing it? Because he told me to do it, and he never told me not to do it yet. I'm waiting on him to tell me not to do it. I'm always looking for a way not to do it. Ask my wife. You give me five minutes, and I'll tell you that he's got the wrong guy. But he's never said, don't do it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep doing it. Because if I quit, guess what? I quit on him. And every time I go to think about that, he says, remember when you got out of the Navy? I said, yeah. He said, did you ask? I said, no. I said, did, you, did I make you go back in? I said, yes. He goes, well, if you quit this, it's going to be a whole lot harder to get back in than it was then. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay, I'll stay. I'll stick it out. I'll stick it out. You know, sometimes you stick it out just because he tells you to. Sometimes he never tells you. You just wait. The problem is, is we don't wait for him. I told Brother Combs, he said, Brother, I hope I help. I said, Brother, I'm going to preach on some of that this morning. He goes, no way. I said, yeah, if you wait around, you might hear it. <laughs> but he left. <laughs> he didn't wait. Hopefully he's got it on. God needs some servants. You know, once you become a servant, then if you wait a while, we didn't start the church until uh, I was 49 years old. I see people who's in churches, they're big old nice churches and everything else, but they've been doing it for 35, 40, 50 years. Some of those churches have been around for 70, 80 years. Come back in another 40 years and see where we're at if the Lord tarries. I hope he don't tarry. I hope he don't tarry past spring. I hope he don't tarry past tonight. But I hope you don't even get to preach tonight. I hope he comes back and gets us out of here. But I'm telling you what, that, that is just what, you got to wait for that thing. The devil always wants to get you to stop. But the Lord is silent sometimes. He'll say, he'll say Lord, why did you let that happen? Because it did. You could have stopped everything. Yeah, I hear people say, why did he let so-and-so die? Could you imagine if nobody ever died? You'd be standing on people, man. This planet, you'd have people so cramped. You'd be like this. And there'd be people stomping your foots in your face. And, and I'm like, God allows things to happen. You know what we need to do is just go with the flow. And watch it happen, man. It is more fun to sit back and watch things happen sometimes than to sit there and bellyache about it. There's a need for missionaries. There's a need for deacons. There's a, mission, a need for bishops in churches. There's a, there's a need for leaders in a church. You know, these young people, they all, everybody says, well, young people are a mess. Let me ask you a question. How many times have you seen old people doing what they should be doing? Why do we expect young people to do what they're supposed to do when we can't even get the old people to do what they're supposed to do? You say, but I'm old. Who cares, man? Paul died, and when he died, he was still serving Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, when he died, was still serving God, the Father. Peter, when he died, was serving Jesus Christ. James got his head cut off serving Jesus Christ. Stephen got his head cut off. There's no, no discharge in that war. You can't quit. You're going to die. So how are you going to die? You keep serving till you die. There's no place to get off and rest. I'm sorry. There isn't none. I wish there was. No, I don't wish there was. Because then I just get fatter. I already know what would happen. God's looking for pillars in a church. There's a need in service. There's a, an ability. God, you know what is amazing? 
He gives the ability to everybody. In Ephesians 4.11 it says, And some gave he apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints. The ability has always been given out. You never have to. And then there's an opportunity. The opportunity is always present, but, but what we do with it is completely up to us. Here's the problem. It is not, the problem is never on God's side. The problem is on ours. He has given the need. The opportunity is there for service. It's there. And the call is there. Once you get saved, the call is there. Everybody's not going to be called to be a pastor. Everybody's not going to be called to be a teacher. Everybody's not going to be called to be an evangelist. But you know what you got to do? You got to sit there and say, hmm, what can I do? I like Paul. I always like that. What will thou have me to do, Lord? And do it. I've cleaned a lot of toilets. If you ever hear me say, oh, you want to serve God? Go clean toilets. I've cleaned a lot of toilets. As a matter of fact, we put them in. We dug the hole in the ground back here and put the toilets in on both sides. The women come in. If you put those urinals in there, we, because we had to let the ladies use the men's bathroom until we get the other one done. We had nothing. It took some time. So, so we put the stalls in, did everything, and, and we got them all in. Got to, you put those urinals up, we ain't going in there. Why? Because that's a man's bathroom. Okay, okay. So we. I'm like, okay. You didn't come in there and dig the hole. You didn't put the pipe in. You didn't cover the floor up. You didn't tile it. You didn't put the vanity in. You didn't put the stalls up. You didn't put the toilets in. And you're going to tell me you ain't going to use it. Look, go outside. There's bushes. <laughs> That's what they used to do. I put an outhouse outside. That'll fix you up. Brethren, I'm telling you what. I, serving Christ sometimes isn't what you think it is. It's not always this right here. Sometimes it's getting up and driving to a jail on a Sunday morning when nobody comes out. Sometimes it's passing a track out in a Walmart, if you ever go to Walmart, or Kroger's, or wherever you're at. Sometimes it's... Sometimes you're just looking at your wife and going, I love you. <laughs> Sometimes you got to look at you and say, mm -hmm. I love you too. <laughs> service, service. It's an opportunity, but the Lord always gives the opportunity. It's up to us what we do with it. It's totally up to us. It's, it's not up to anybody else. Noah had an opportunity. You hear me tell that story all the time. He built an ark. He didn't have to, but he did. The Lord said, hey, build an ark. You found grace in my eyes. Uh, if you want to live, build an ark. The Lord, it's going to take a while. Yeah, sure, 120 years. Uh, it's going to take you 120 years to build this thing, but that's all right. You know what he did? He waited and built the ark. While he was waiting, he built the ark. The Lord said, it's going to rain. Yeah, that's true, but I'm going to build an ark. But it's going to rain. Why don't we just wait for the rain? I die, go to heaven, man. I mean, you're done with it. We're done with it. We finish this whole thing. My whole family go, we'll all go to Abraham's bosom. We'll be done with it. No, God said, build an ark. You keep yourself busy. Moses. You know, Moses had to, on the backside of that desert, had to go see the burning bush. Once he got a burning bush, the Lord said, hey, I want you to go down to Egypt and take them people out of there. Moses had to wait 40 years in the desert before the Lord got his attention to send him back. 40 years he had to wait. You know what God's looking for? His patience and waiting. You know what Moses did? Moses, I like Moses. He did not leave Jethro's flocks until he knew exactly what the Lord wanted him to do. He would have still been on the backside of that desert taking care of those sheep if he had to come across that burning bush. He comes across that burning bush, and now he's got somebody to argue with. But he's going to lose the argument. And the Lord's going to kill him up there if he don't go do what he wants. And the Lord does what he says, take your shoes off. Oh, man, I'll get that in a few minutes. You know God's holy? Sometimes why we, you know why God doesn't answer us a lot of times? It's because we're not holy. 
We want him to answer us, but we don't want to get holy before. He said, Moses, take your shoes off. The ground you're standing on is holy. You know, Moses did. He took his shoes off. There's a part we have to do. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. I like them guys, man. I don't know if I, I think I've done the same thing. I hate, I hate going out to sea. You think you're a sailor, you'd love going to sea. I don't like going to sea at all, man. I get seasick. Uh, I just get nauseated, just nauseated. I mean, if you, have you ever been nauseated for like three weeks in a row? Women, I understand when y'all have babies. <laughs> that nauseated stuff, man, I don't like that at all. It just, it's just like miserable, constantly. And then everybody wants you to do everything on top of that. <laughs> Husbands, you ought to have a break. On you young, young people in there, when y'all have kids, have a break on your wife, man. When she gets pregnant, she feels terrible. I can tell you how she feels. You say, why? Because I was a sailor, man. I mean, I was so sick one time I got in my bed, I couldn't get out of it. And I don't, it's a head thing, I guess. I don't know, but they pulled up to the pier. And when they tied that ship up to the pier and they said, moored, I was okay. All the way down through the channel, all the way up to that pier, I was about ready to throw my guts up. They pull that pier up, that ship up pier, and two minutes later, man, I'm up on the floor doing good. It's a mental thing. I, I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, I just say, man, you just get sick. But Peter, James, Andrew, John, Jesus walked by and said, hey, come after, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Those men were looking for something greater than what they were doing. Is your job, you think your job's everything? One of these days, they're going to lay you off. I like it right now. I like what they do right now, man. They just, they just fire you because you won't get a shot. I think that's a, the cruelest thing in the whole wide world. You get a shot. You're asking me to put something in my body. If you want to, that's fine. Do it. But if you don't want to do it, I'm okay with that too. Why would I force somebody to do something against themselves? Man, that just seems so. But anymore, man, you could walk in. They say, hey, I walked in one day. They said, hey, we laid you off. I'm like, whoa, that's a new one. I've been doing this for like 40-something years. I never got laid off. I said, this is a crazy thing. But they can do it. Paul, Paul, what will that have me to do? Road to Damascus. You say, what is this? What are you trying to get? Faithful. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. God, if he called you, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That, that verse is to the Jewish nation. What he gave the Jews, man, you, I tell you what, what he, has, he has since Abraham, he has worked with those people. They were first called Jews in, in uh, Jerusalem where uh, David was. But he has worked with the Hebrew people from the time that Abraham started having. He said, I'll bless you. I'll bless them that bless thee, and I'll curse them that curses thee. And he has made promises to Abraham down through that seed. And he said, I'll never, I'll never quit. Paul said, the gifts and calling, everything that he told Israel was going to happen is going to happen. Somewhere in the future it's going to happen. You can bet your bottom dollar. You know what our problem is? is waiting. You know what the Lord told you? You can apply that verse spiritually to us. What he told me to do, he said he would do. It's taken us 15, 16 years to put this little church together. Some people, I have people walk in here. I, I always look at them like, I look at these big churches. I'm like, Lord, why couldn't we have a big church? Because you don't have a lot of people. Okay, that makes a lot of sense because somebody has to pay for it. I'm glad. Thank God we got a little church, man. We can actually afford the thing. It's paid off. Uh, we want to put a building on the back. Jerry's looking at me like, I did get approval to put the building on the back. I got approval to put an 80. I've got the stamp paperwork in my office to put an 80. So I called a guy the other day. George gave me this thing. I said, how much is your building? He said, the building is $210,000. I said, at what part of that, how much is that to put it up? He goes, we don't put it up. You just get the building. We come and dump it off the truck in your yard. I'm like, well, I don't like that very much. That means I got to work and get somebody to do the concrete. I said, I, I, like, I like General Still. General Still says they do it all, turnkey from the start to the finish. That's, uh, I called a friend of mine. I thought he was a friend. I think he's mad at me because I want to put a building on the back of our church 
and he's the pastor, but he don't have a church, so I think he's mad at me. And I said, well, how about, he says, 1.7 million. I'm like, well, that's pretty much, get you out of the picture. You say, what, what is that? I'm sitting there looking and saying, okay, I got the permission. I said, Lord, you know, my whole life has been that way. I remember we was building a house and I didn't have no money. And then we got this church and I didn't have no money. And then we, we did this and I didn't have no money. I said, I didn't have no parking lots and I didn't have no money. And now we got a building in the back and I still don't have no money. I said, Lord, how are we going to put that? He goes, are you that stupid? Have I not done it for you over the last 15, 20 years, 25 years? Have I not done it for you your whole life? Yes. Then if, if this is what I want you to do, do you think I'll do it again? Yes. Then shut up and wait. If anybody here's got $400,000, they just want to let go, let me know, man. If not, we'll just wait, man. We'll wait. We'll go, we'll go through some process. We're going to have a business meeting here shortly, and we're going to discuss the thing. And we'll see if the church wants to go forward with getting the plans. Then we'll put the plans out in the, in the, in the foyer where you can see the plans of what it's going to look like. And we'll shame you into giving. We'll do whatever we have to do the, the way the Lord would have us to do it. I'll put a box out there and say, put money in it, man. I'll, do, I'll stick one outside. I don't care what we got to do. I'll do whatever the Lord says do. And then when we get to the place to do it, it'll be there. You know, the Lord, the problem is, is we don't wait on God to do what he wants to do. Who also will do it? Results are up to God, not me. The results were never up to me. Guess what? The results aren't up to you either. I was talking to a brother the other day, and he said he was he's just discouraged. I said, why? He said, well, I'm working with another brother, and he's not doing too good. And I said, why are you discouraged? He goes, oh, it just hurts me because I feel like I'm, I said, brother, you can't make anybody. You know, I can't make one of y'all do anything. This is like a voluntary, volunteer thing. You all come to church on a Sunday morning with snow outside. That's a blessing. Uh, I come to church, you know, sometimes I'm like, Lord, if there's nobody there, what would I do? Probably eat a donut, <laughs> drink a cup of coffee, go home. No, I mean, it's, it's one of those things when you sit there and look at it, as people come, it's, it's a volunteer thing. You have to see that God's doing something. But he has to do that in your life. He will do it. He says right here, he says, we'll also do it. The results are up to God. There is, however, conditions. God made that promise. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. But it's not just a generic statement, so you can go out and I can go out and do whatever I want to do and get away with it. It won't happen. 1 Corinthians 10. Take your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians real quick. I'm almost done. Man, I didn't offend you already, did I? Man, didn't even get, I just told you to turn there and you get up and leave. I'm joking. That was my daughter. She's got a baby in the nursery. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 10. 10, 12. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That's a very great verse. That's a good verse. Uh, you think you're something? Without God, we're nothing. Without the Lord in my life, I would be absolutely nothing. I know it. I know it. There ain't a doubt in my mind. I know it. Uh, I, know, I know how my mind works and how I think, and I know myself. Uh, I know me, and I know how I think. And, and I'm like, Lord, how in the world did you ever get me to learn this and this and this and this and this? How, I know my mind. My mind isn't, isn't I'm just, I got this jumbled up mind. It's just jumbled. It's all over the place. And somehow the Lord let me organize it enough to put some things in there to get through some of it. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed. You ought to examine yourself whether you be in the faith. You ought to check that out every now and then. There had no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. 
But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. He gives you a way out. Every single time he gives you a way out. He would never ask you to do something that he doesn't give you the ability and the, the funding or whatever you need to do that with. If that building is supposed to be on the back of this church, it'll be on the back of this church. Why? He will provide what we need. And you don't have to go out and beg and borrow and steal and do everything else. All right, we may have to borrow some money from the bank. I got a bank that said to give me some money, but Jerry's like, nope. <clears throat> I don't like borrowing. I, I don't like him, man. In this time frame, I'm, I'm kind of scared to do that. Uh, right now, we're all paid off. Why in the world would you want to put yourself in jeopardy? Uh, you don't have to put yourself in jeopardy. I'm like, Lord, well, maybe I'll just wait. Well, that's a concept. Have you thought about waiting? Well, no. What can you do between now and then? You can prepare to build the ark. You know what David did? David was going to build a temple. God said, he comes in. Nathan walks in. David's prophet walked in and said, David said, hey, Nathan. He goes, yeah, Dave, what's up? And he goes, I had this dream, man. I want to build a, you know, you know here I am living in this big old nice house and and the, the Lord, the tabernacle's out there, and the, the Ark of the Covenant's in the tabernacle, in a tent. And, and Nathan says, David, do whatever's in your heart. You know, that's a nice state, statement to make. Uh, Nathan never talked to the Lord, and David never talked to the Lord. Nathan just looked at David and said, David, I know that every time you do something, you do it because the Lord wants you to do it. He goes, I already know what your heart is. I don't have to go to the Lord and ask what your heart is. I already know what it is. And whatever that is, it's the right thing to do, so you just do it. So Nathan goes, and that night Lord tells Nathan, 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 Nathan. Well, why didn't you come ask me first? Now you got to go back and tell David no. He goes, because there's too much blood on his hand. But just tell him, you know what David did? He got ready. He started building and getting prepared to build that ark or build that, that uh, temple. I may not get to build that thing in my lifetime. But you know what we can do? We can start preparing today to do it. We know we can do it. We got the permission to do it. And if God's in the thing, he'll work it out in his time frame. You got to let him do it. He says there is no temptation. Not somebody else. You don't have to worry about somebody else all the time. You need to worry about yourself. So many times we look at other people and try to blame when we're not looking at ourselves. Do we match this book? Paul, Paul wants us to get to heaven. He wants us to get there in such a way. Go back to uh, Thessalonians. That we're pleasing to the Lord. And really, you can't get there with somebody else tagging off on somebody else. You've got to do it yourself. There's nothing I can do. I can tell you, I can tell you, I can tell you. I told that young man the other day, I said, look, brother, there's nothing you can do about somebody else. All you can do is about yourself. I said, why are you here? He goes, I love Jesus. I said, that's it, man. I said, if they are not here, it's because they don't, Jesus hadn't got that real to them yet. I said, maybe he's working on them. Maybe he's doing some other stuff on them. But you can't let that hinder you from serving Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you won't do nothing. You got to keep on going. The Lord loves, you know what he does? Back in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5. Down at the, he says, and back in verse 3, he says, I pray. He says, and the very God of peace sanctify you, verse 23, holy. And I pray, uh, I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know he loves holiness? Be ye holy for I am holy. The Lord wants us to be holy. He, he likes purity. He likes clean. You know, I like young people. If you can get them early enough, you can help them, help them get through. You don't have to cater to them. You help them and let them make decisions. They got little brains too, man. They can figure this thing out. Brother, Brother Combs got me back. I said, Brother, can I give you a blessing? Can I give you a blessing? I said, sure. This is after you preach. He said, I got a call the other day and a 15-year-old girl was teaching Sunday school that I used to. I'm like, what a blessing, man. He was, he was about ready to start crying. I said, see, Brother, God can still use them. He can still use them. He can still get a hold of them. 
Sometimes we'll get in the way and we'll start trying to make them or help them do what they need to do because that's what we think. Uh, I, I hate to bother you. I hate to, I hate to tell people, but you can't guide and direct somebody what to do. Even your kids, you can train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, you can get him to almost a place. Uh, we had a wedding here. It's a blessing. Parents on both sides, the men anyways, didn't want to let go, but they had to let go. They didn't want to let go. They had to let go. I was laughing because I used to be there. You got to let go. You can't. Well, I've had them forever. That's sorry. They're not yours anymore. They're gone. The young man took a girl and the young girl took a man. <laughs> Both of them disappeared out of, the, out of two families. Now, now, you know what? You got a third family. You didn't lose anything. You gained. But boy, it feels like a hole inside being ripped out, man. It's gone. After the first or second one, you get used to it and you're like, ah, take the rest of them. Get them out of here. <laughs> Just take them, man. Go, go, go. Get them gone. I'm done with them. I'm done with them. He likes holiness. He likes purity. He likes saying, that's like that wedding. That wedding was great, man. The young ladies were all dressed appropriately. The men were dressed appropriately. The bride was dressed appropriately. The, the groom was dressed appropriately. Everything was done in order. I like that, man. I like a wedding like that. I like it when you get somebody to a place where you gave them a chance and you protected them. The parents protected those two until they could get up to the place where they could get there. You know what it took? It took two parents on both sides doing what they could do. Did they always do right? Probably not. They did the best they could. And then, then last Saturday, what the efforts of both of those, one was in the Ukraine, one was over here, and the efforts of both of those brought together a wedding. It was, it was great, man. If we had done what we'd done over the years, that would have never happened. Here anyways. You say, what was it? We had a part of that. I don't know about you, but that thrills me, man. I don't have to be any part of the wedding. I just want to watch that thing happen, man. I want to see two people get started off on the right track and go down the road. God loves holiness. He likes purity. He sanctifies us. The day we get saved, you're totally sanctified. Then you sanctified your whole life. Paul said, I sanctify myself daily, 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 daily. He likes separation from sin. Now, we want God in our lives, and we want him to do stuff for us. But are we willing to do what he says do in our lives? We, it's a choice. It's a choice thing. I have to let go. Psalm, Psalm 34, 7, 8, 7, 9, 11, and 18. I like all those verses. He says, the angel Lord encampeth around uh, about them that fear him. You know, you know why most people don't uh, get their lives in an order or even think about asking the Lord before they do something? Right or wrong, it doesn't matter. It may sound good. Because of the fear, we don't, we don't fear what we're doing. I fear messing up. I don't know about you, but I fear messing up. Uh, I, I haven't got time to correct the, the messes I can make right today. I, I don't have the time in my life left. Uh, when I was 22, I could correct some things. When I was 30, I could correct some things. At 40, 50, I could probably start, hinder. But I tell you, I'll watch some people when, as they get older. To correct them, it's just almost impossible sometimes. Unless you've lived a pretty good life, it's going to be hard to correct some things out there. But they can. The angel of the Lord campeth around them that fear him and delivereth them. We want him to, we like the delivereth part. We like the encamped around them part. But how about the feareth part? Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Are you sure you should do that? Are you sure you should you be running around with the people you're running around with? Have you ever checked the people you're running around with? Hey, our young people, most of them aren't here today. Now I'm talking to old people. I'm talking about middle-aged and old people and, and kind of middle-aged people. I don't know what middle age is anymore. I'm so far beyond that. I'm talking to people, man. Do you, do you even consider who you run with? Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. You know what, oh man, my, my, my wife, family stuff. 
My mom calls my wife the other day. I'm sitting there at the house. I get up, go to the bathroom. It's, it's like, oh, dark 30. It's, it's probably 4 in the morning, 5. And I come out of the bathroom, and Beth goes, whose kids? What kids? What kids? Ah! I'm thinking she's having a nightmare, man. I mean, it's pitch black in there. I, that's all I can see. She's doing something crazy. And I turn the lights on, and she's talking to my mom. And it's another crisis that's out there somewhere. And I'm like, hang the stinking phone up. I said, I am not, I don't care to be, I'm not going to be drug into that. You know what this world does do is drag you into their mess. I've got plenty of messes I don't need to be drug into anybody else's. And that's what this world does. It's constantly trying to drag. You know what families do? They drag you into their messes. I've created a mess my whole life. I don't need to be in anybody else's mess. I'm trying to clean the one up I got. When you start messing with people over and over and over again, you know what they're going to do? I know, I know, I know, I know. But it's, it's, my, it's my great aunt. Yeah, but your great aunt is messing you up. But it's, but it's, it's my dear uncle. I don't care. He's, oh, I, I mean, I left them all, man. The day I got saved and I joined the Navy shore there, I left them all. I said, you guys are crazy. I'm bad enough, but we as a whole will never make it. I left. I told my mom the other day, she goes, oh, everybody in our family's messed up. I said, what's wrong with me? She goes, well, there's nothing wrong with you. You got it right. I said, no, I ain't got it right, but I just look like I do because you see everything else, and I don't look that messed up. Oh, taste and see. Here you go, verse 8. Oh, taste, Psalm, Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you ever tasted the Lord good? Man, 42 years he's been good to me. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. You know, when you trust him, you fear him. Because you're afraid to do something. You question everything you do. And you question who you run with. And you question who you're seeing. And you question those around you. Hey, man, my kids, I love them all. But they don't want to serve God? Fine. Go do your thing. This is what I'm going to do. And one of these days, I told Beth the same thing. She, I, was, I was teaching kids how to ride a bike. And boy, I thought divorce was going to happen every time. I had to get her in a car and said, get out of here, man. I told her if she ever leaves, first of all, I'm going to leave with her. But, it, but if she ever leaves and doesn't want me to go with her, the kids are staying with me. But I don't have to worry about that now. I'll try to get Esther to go with her. <laughs> Brother, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> Once you get up in age a little bit, you want them to. Yeah, shouldn't you? I told Esther the other day, I said, did you meet a guy yet? <laughs> she said, oh, Dad, shut up. Oh taste, oh, taste the Lord and see if he's good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. You know what the problem, the key here is fear. We, we, you can't get so comfortable with God that you don't fear his, his awesomeness, his greatness. You can't do that, man. There's nobody like him. Come, ye children, verse 11. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. It's something that has to be taught. You say, what is this? Who also will do it? Paul is sitting over here saying, God, he says, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. He's trying to tell you how God will do it. He will do it when we start living the life we should be living with him. He's not just going to do it. If he calls you, he's going to enable you to do what you need to do, but you got to do some stuff. Verse 18, O Lord, the Lord is nigh unto them that are a broken heart. This is the key to the thing. you got to get to the place where you realize you're the problem. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save such as be of his contrite spirit. You got to be broken. You got to get to the place and say, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it. He goes, now you're right where you need to be. I do it. I'm not asking you to do it. 
Proverbs 8.13. Oh, go to Proverbs 8.13. It's a good one. It's probably one of, the, one of the greatest series of passages. Proverbs is a great book. You know, the Lord, he let a man like Solomon go through what he went through in his whole life. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, he messed up, he messed up, he messed up. Yeah, but you look at the books he wrote. Uh, and, and he went through all the stuff he went through to try to tell you don't do it. And the Lord allowed him to do it so he could write that book. Psalm 8.13. He starts talking here and he says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You know what you got to do? If you really want to get the fear of the Lord in your life, you're going to have to get to the place where evil, you know what evil is, and you got to hate it. He hates pride. The fear of the Lord is to hate pride. The fear of the Lord is to hate arrogance. You know what arrogance is? Arrogance is pride in action. You know when somebody's arrogant, they're just pride-filled, and they're, they're displaying their pride right out into the world. They don't care. They don't care about anybody else but themselves. Brother, when we get to that place, there's no way you can have a contrite and a humble heart. There's no way. Pride has to go out the window. I mean, it has to go out the window. Can you save yourself? No, you can't. You know what you need? You need Jesus. You know what Jesus was? He's a humble man. And if you're going to get like him, you're going to have to get just like him. He says, uh, he goes, uh, arrogancy and the evil way and a forward mouth. You got to watch it. That Facebook garbage is trash. You know what's wrong with it? You, you get out there and you say stuff. Don't you realize somebody's going to hear what you say? I was sitting there one night at home. And a guy came in here. Oh, I want to do this. And I want to do this. And I just want to be this. And I just want to be this. Oh, I just want to do Oh, Brother Mike, you're this. And you're this. You're this. It's like, ah. He goes home and gets on Facebook. It wasn't 30 minutes later I get a call. Did you see what he put on? Because I'm not on Facebook. I'm glad I'm not because I, I was trying to actually give the guy a break, but I couldn't because he got on Facebook and just spewed out his filth out of his mouth. And then I had to call him out on it. Brother, that stuff goes out and people see it. It's not hidden. And you know what? We think it's a venue. If you can't say it to somebody's face, you should not even say it on, online. If you haven't got the guts to walk up to somebody and say, hey, I don't like you. I did that recently. I told somebody that's an arrogant pig dog, man. It's just an arrogant pig. You say, wow, that's right in his face. Well, actually, it's back of his head. I, I'll tell you what, if I don't like you, you're going to know it. I ain't going to hide my dislike for you at all. I, do I love you? Yeah, I love you. And like you see, you go to heaven too, but not around me. Brother, there, there's a way to, people just, you get sick of that stuff. I don't know about you. You may be holier than I am. I'm not that holy. I don't know. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy. I'll go over to, go to verse 6. You want a good one? Here's a good one. Six, six, sixteen. These six things, just one page over, that shouldn't be hard to find. These six things that the Lord hates. Do you hate what God hates? Huh? Do you? I'm not saying are you not sinless. I didn't say that. I said, do you hate what God hates? I hate everything he hates. I just can't seem to do it. These six things does God hate. Yea, seven are an abomination. Abomination to God. A proud look. You ever look proud? You may, you may think I'm a proud man. I'm not really, man. I thank God for everything. I, I Really, I'm telling you, everything I've ever done that I can ever remember in my life was done by God. The Lord Jesus Christ gave me the opportunity to do something. Every single thing. It is not in me to do what I did. Not a thing. It had to be him. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination. A proud look, a lying tongue. You know, when you say something about somebody that isn't true, and you don't know if it's true, that's a lie? God hates that, man. You know, before the first thing you open your mouth about something, you better make sure you know exactly what you're talking about. Otherwise, it's, oh, why? Oh, it's a mistake. I didn't know, I didn't know this, this, this. That's a lie. 
You uttered your mouth, opened your trap, and said something. You said, man, you're awful mad. What happened? I had a bunch of coffee this morning. No, I'm just telling you, I like, I like God, man. I like the Lord. I like the way he puts up. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. Oh, now you kill anybody recently. Innocent ones anyways. A heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet that are swift to run into mischief. That's getting in trouble. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that dis, uh, the soweth discord among the brethren. You know right here, this is us. And you start sowing discord in this crowd. God hates that. You know what he told us to do is hate them that do that. Now, you got to cut them some slack. And if they get the thing right, let them get it right. But you got to watch it, man. You know what? The hardest thing you know to do is watch this thing right here. That little tongue, that is the worst thing in your body. Because from here to here, I think the tongue is actually attached to the brain. Because immediately people will say, bleh, bleh. And you said, what is that, man? Where'd that come from? Well, you. Oh, man, I've had people call me everything but human. And then I say, oh, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have said that. But it's too late. You already did. And you never come to me and ask me that. If you'd have done, you'd have got a different thing. Say, what is that? God hates evil. So you're almost done? Yeah, just about. A proud look. I just want to love what God loves and hate what God hates. That's what Paul's saying. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You know, sometimes you just got to wait on God. Get some of these things out of your life that don't belong there. Just let them go, man. Uh, people in this world will drag you down. If you ever noticed Jesus Christ, he was pretty much a loner all by himself. He only had 12 guys. We're talking about the Son of God. God manifests in the flesh. In the flesh. That was God. If you could have seen Jesus Christ in the day 2,000 years ago, you've seen God walking on this planet. That's what you saw. He was in a man form, but that was God walking. You know, he only had 12 people when he died, and then they all scattered. They hung him on a cross, and he died by himself on a cross. You say, what was that? That was God. You know what that tells me? If you're doing the right thing by the, by the time you get to the place where you're doing what God wants you to do, nobody wants to be around you. You say, well, that's not true. Look at Peter. Look at James. Look at John. Look at Stephen. Stephen had a whole crowd against him. Even Paul was against him at the time. Paul's in a jail cell in Rome by himself. Look at Noah on the ark. Eight people out of billions. That's where it was. The closer you get to the Lord, you know what's going to happen? The world's going to see that thing. They're just not going to like it. But you know what? The Lord just loves that thing. The Lord makes the way for us to do whatever we do. We just need to wait. You know what you need to do? Wake up tomorrow morning, go to work, and do a great job. And be happy about it. And if they fire you tomorrow, then praise God, hallelujah, they fire you, and you go off and do something else. I've been doing this thing for 65 years, going on 65, and I've known a lot of people. Brother Combs has been doing a lot longer, and the Lord's taking care of him. I was thinking about that. Brother Combs gets saved, and I, it, I'm, I'm about a six, eight months behind him getting saved. And here are two different places. Brother Combs gets saved in one place, a drunk, and gets his life squared away and, and starts doing the right thing for God. And here I am at 22, a druggie and a drunk, and I get my two different places. You know what God can do two things at once? You ever thought about that? He's working all over the place in all kinds of people. I'm still hoping that, man, I'm, I'm like, Lord, uh, there's nobody left. He goes, you arrogant, stupid idiot. You think you're the only one? No, I don't. Well, then shut up. Love what God loves and hate what God hates. Jude 121, I'm just about done. I, I'm like Brother Combs. I got a couple verses. I'll be finished. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You know how you do that? You do what he says over here. You say, Lord, 
I know you saved me. If you're in here today and you know you're saved, I know I'm saved. I know I'm, I'm, I got it, and I know what you did. And I, it's forever. It's done. I know what you want me to do, or I, I got a feeling you have something for me to do. I'm just going to wait till you show me exactly what to do. That's what he says right here. He says, keep, keep yourselves in the love of God. You gotta, it's something that you got to constantly do. This world will drag you down and drag you down and depress you. If you start looking out here at this world, you get all depressed. I don't care about none of this world. This world has nothing. They can't stop me from doing anything I want to do anyways. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and the eternal life. And some have compassion, making a difference. Some people, you just got to go out there and, and, and love them. Love them to heaven. You say, oh, that's kind of gushy. Yeah, it is, man, but you still need to love them. And some, I have more, I have more compassion on, on people in jail sometimes than I do with people in church. Because those people in jail never had the opportunity we've had. Those guys in jail never, they may have, I don't know the whole stories, but they didn't have completely the opportunity I've had. And I'm like, then I start thanking God. I said, Lord, thank you for what you've given to me in my life. I can't forget what you've done. I just can't forget it. I see these people and I wish I, some, sometimes you can't help them. They get so far down. Only the Lord can do that thing. I've seen the Lord change a lot of people and do a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't put anything past him, but me, there's only so much I can do. He says, and others save with fear. Sometimes you got to scare them. You got to tell them there's a heaven. You got to tell them there's a hell. And that's where you're going if you're not saved. And not be afraid to. I don't care who they are. I tell my mom that all the time, click. But, but my church prays to Mary, click. I never hang up on her. She always hangs up on me. I don't understand that. I'm like, Mom, why you ain't click? <laughs> Mom, I love you, click. <laughs> I mean, what is going on here? She's getting, used to, she's getting used to it now. I think she's getting hardened. Well, our priest said, yeah, well, then believe your priest. I tell her, I said, believe your priest. Fine. Believe, go to Catholic Church, believe the Catholic Church, man. If that's what you want to do, believe that, man. If you don't want to believe nothing, believe whatever you want to believe. I don't care what you want to believe. You always ridicule my church. I said, I don't ever ridicule your church. You call me, and you know what I'm going to say. You come to me, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say. I don't know what else to say. I'm not going to say nothing else. If I say anything else, it's wrong. You're going, I said, Mom, I said, you, should you tell me you believe in Jesus Christ? You say, why are you talking about your mom like it? Because she's just like everybody else on this planet. There's no difference. Everybody's the same. You got to come to Jesus Christ. Another say with fear, pulling them out of fire. You know, sometimes you got to realize that they're on their way to hell and you got to help them out. God gives good for evil. Have you ever thought about that? God looks down at us. There's none good, no, not one. Not one of us. And you know what he did? He gave us Jesus Christ. And he gave us salvation. He gives us good for evil. You know what we do? We want good for good and, and evil for evil. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Ah, let's judge him. You do me good, I'll do you good. You do me evil, I'm going to return. And that's not the right way. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But you know what the devil does? The devil gives evil for good. The temptation of Jesus Christ, and I'm done. Well, i got four verses to read, but I'm not going to elaborate on those. Jesus Christ is being tempted. You know what he wanted? You say, well, all he wanted him to do was just show that he was God. No, what he wanted to do was damn the whole world. If Jesus would have answered to one of his temptations of the three, if he had obeyed bread, turned the stones into bread, if he would have jumped off the te uh, temple, the pinnacle of the temple, and, and the angels caught him, which they would have. Actually, he didn't need angels to catch him. He could have just floated down and landed on the ground. If he had broke one of those three, one of them, the entire world would have been damned for eternity. The devil didn't care one thing about Jesus doing that. What he wanted to do is to get him to break the rules so he could damn the entire world. 
You know what Jesus did? He didn't do it. I like that, man. You know what Paul says? He wants us to be like him. He says, faithful is he that calls. You know what Jesus Christ is faithful? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He is faithful. And he's not going to ask you to do something that he doesn't enable you to do it. You know what you need to do is just wait for what he says. He finishes the passages up. Brethren, pray for us. Back in Thessalonians. Go back to Thessalonians 15, uh, 5, 15, 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. After he gets through talking to the church, he might have been a little more pleasant than I was. I don't know. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. You know what they need to do is pray for Paul. Paul was out there a night and day doing all the stuff he was doing, and he continued that to the day he died. You know what's going to keep you going is prayer. Prayer is going to keep you going. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. That doesn't mean you go up and kiss somebody. Kiss my wife, and I'm going to hit you, but she's probably going to hit you first. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. You know what Paul said there? He says, church, at the last, in the last days, you're going to be faced with a lot of stuff. And one of the things you're going to be faced with is the love of Christ. You're, that thing is going to be tried and tried and tried and tried. And to get a hold of that thing, you're going to have to let some of this other stuff go off to the wayside. You just got to let it go. Let it go. It's not worth it. It's just of no value. You know what will happen what, and what, since we don't wait, we live the life that we're supposed to live, that the Lord tells us to live. People see that and the Holy Spirit changes them. When we try to change them, what they see is us. They'll never get it. What you got to do is the right thing. You do the right thing that the Lord tells you to do, then the Lord can use that thing to reach out to other people and get them. And I'm telling you what, all you have to do is write. Bob Jones Sr. said the two hardest words in English language is to do right. Are you doing right? Father, thank you for your blessings this morning.